listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, New Chapel. How's everybody doing? Doing good, good. Um, as the buckets are still going by, I... Um, I actually realized I did not introduce myself. So uh, for those of you I haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, uh, my name is Brian Capiello. I'm one of the associate pastors here. And uh, God bless you guys. Uh, and uh, I'm excited that I have the honor and the privilege to be able to share God's word with you this morning. Uh, but before we get into everything that God has for us today. I want to, to, to take a moment for us to pray together as a church. Uh, because as you know, Pastor Joe and Pastor Eric are both uh, in Pakistan right now. They left on Monday and, and we prayed uh, for them before they leave. And I know many of you have been praying all throughout the week. Thank you. Please keep Praying, They've been there for a week, and God is already doing some pretty amazing things. I just want to share just a couple of things with you this morning. So yesterday, they had a crusade. And uh, I, I know I can share these pictures because I know they're on Instagram and Facebook. Praise the Lord. So uh, go ahead and throw that up there. So they had thousands of Muslims come to this crusade. And this is not all of the churches coming together. These are people who are far from God. And so uh, they were there preaching. And some of the exact numbers are still coming in. But we uh, know hundreds and hundreds of Muslims gave their life to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Go ahead, throw that other slide up there, guys. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. And so, but there's one story in particular I want to share with you. So during the week, Pastor Joe and Pastor Eric were uh, preaching at a church that was kind of a local church. And um, they had this woman in the church, this older woman. Uh, after the uh, message and after the worship, they were down there laying hands and praying for people. And uh, this older woman had been blind for most of her life, and she wore these dark glasses uh, for years because you wear those dark glasses not to be off-putting to other people about how your eyes look. So if they're looking at you, they feel like they can look at you and, and not be put off by it. And uh, she came down for prayer. And Pastor Joe and Pastor Eric, uh, they laid hands on her, believing that God would heal her body, and um, they said amen, and that woman took her glasses off, and her eyes were restored. She could see. I feel like you should give God praise for that. Now, now here's, here's the thing, and here's why, if you're in the room and, and you're like, why are all these people clapping? Um, when you can't see, and then you can see, That'll, that'll make you want to praise God. And so we, uh, we're praising God with them. Um, you know, she, she could see and everybody could see the power of God that was happening. And so um, they're going to be gone uh, next Sunday too, but it's going to be an awesome weekend here at New Chapel because Kaya Bevilacqua is going to be preaching. 
And I know that God has a word that he's put on her heart for our church. So it's going to be an awesome Sunday next weekend. And then the following Sunday, Pastor Joe and Pastor Eric will be back. I'm sure either charged up or exhausted. Or both all at the same time. And so it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. But um, I want to pray together as a church uh, because nothing gets done without prayer. And we need to win the war in the spiritual first. And so would you bow your heads, maybe lift your hands towards heaven as we pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for Pastor Joe and for Pastor Eric. God, I thank you that you're covering them in peace. God, that every step that they take is covered in peace. God, I thank you that you are protecting them, that everywhere they go, that a hedge of protection is surrounding them. God, I pray that when they preach, God, you have prepared the hearts of those Muslims to accept Jesus as their Savior. God, I thank you that demons would be cast out, that lame people would walk, that blind people would see. And God, I thank you that as they preach, God, that salvation pours out, that people receive you as their Savior. And God, I thank you. Uh, And we pray that you would be filling Pastor Joe and Pastor Eric with joy while they do it. We know that it's a lot of work. And so we thank you that you've put a boldness on them to preach the word in an area that is dark. And God, I thank you that this would be the continuing of the revival that's happening in Pakistan. We believe you for it. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. And so before I get into my message, there's one more praise report I want to share with you. And there's a girl who's in our student ministry. And she's been coming since day one. And so uh, last year, her dad was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And and, and the doctors really did not, they kind of prepped them like, because we caught it so late, you're not going to have much time left with him. And and so uh, Naya and some of the other leaders have been walking with her through this emotional journey, and we've been praying and believing God for uh, his healing And this last Wednesday at our student culture, she was overjoyed to share with us that at the most recent appointment, the scan was completely clear. Isn't that awesome? And so... And so we, we praise God for that, and then also we're going to continue to believe God for his continued healing because uh, you may know in that situation there's co- continued steps in the natural to take. And so he's going to keep taking those steps, and we're going to keep believing God together. Amen, somebody? In yeah. God good? Yeah. Amen. So we've been in a series called Missio Day. Uh, all about the mission of God. And thematically, we've been talking all about how the mission of God is both to you and it's through you. And Pastor Joe introduced this theme verse that we're going to look at today as well. It's a theme verse for this series, but then also for our church. This whole year, we're going to be sinking into this verse. It's John uh, chapter 20 in verse 21. The Bible says, Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You can throw that verse up there, guys. So 
as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So to be a Christian is to be a sent one. To be a Christian is to be a missionary. If you are a follower of Christ, you are on called to be on mission. Because let me tell you, while Pakistan is a mission field, so is your workplace. While Pakistan is a mission field, so is your school. So is your family. So are wherever you hang out. You are on mission. And this is what Pastor Job preached about in week two of this series. He really laid out for us, it's important for us, crucial to identify where we are, see the opportunity that God has placed before us, and then invest where we are. And so wherever you are, you're on assignment. And so if you missed part two or any part in this series, uh, please uh, go to newchapel.com slash watch. Uh, this whole series and a lot of other past series are on there. If you like doing extra uh, teaching too, it's all there for you. So newchapel.com slash watch if you miss uh, any of that. But for today's message, I, I kind of want to overlay the whole thing with a question. And here's the question. Why did Jesus come and what is God's will for everyone on earth as it relates to the mission of God? Uh, and, and before we even get into that, I just want to make you aware that this message is like chock full of scripture. Uh, and so like, lo- like big chunks, like hefty <laughs> chunks of scripture. And so um, uh, don't you just love the Bible? Like, I, like, aren't you just so happy to be in a church that believes the Bible, that cherishes the word of God? Aren't you glad that no matter how far down the toilet that culture goes, that we have the word of God to stand on as a solid rock and foundation. I'm grateful to God that the word is true and every man is a liar. Amen? And so, God's will. Okay, Luke 19.10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Second uh, Peter 3 and verse 9 says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. Y'all happy he's patient with us? God is patient with you. Not wanting, get this, anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. First Timothy 2 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men, He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God's will is for everybody on planet earth to come to repentance and faith in Christ, to only worship him as God, a God of love who sent Jesus to be the final atonement, where he sent his son to make a way to have relationship with us. And that's good news. I'm telling you, it's good news because the blood of Jesus made a way for every single person on the planet to turn from their sin, put their faith in Christ, to be saved from hell for sure, but be filled with purpose, live an abundant life on earth that's followed by an eternity in heaven. That's good news, isn't it? And so that is God's will. And it's important to kind of preface the mission of God with God's will is for everybody to be saved. And so that's, that's really important. And so throughout this series, it's been this concept that we've been learning about that the mission of God is both to you and through you. So you're both a recipient and a participant. 
in the mission of God. And here's the thing, though. If we don't fully understand the implications of being the recipient that the mission of God comes to us, we will never truly be able to walk in all that God has for us to f- uh, allow that mission of God to flow through you. And I'll show you what I mean in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the way of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. The Bible says that we were dead in our sin. Apart from Christ, we were spiritually dead. In that spiritual state, the Bible's saying that when we were following the, the way of the world, that we were in turn following the ruler of the kingdom of the air, or another translation would say, who is the devil? It's not a scripture your granny has on the fridge. I'm just telling you that right now. Like This is, this is not one that, that we like to read very often. But here's what I want to show you. I want to show you that there's only two spiritual states that we can be in. We are either dead in sin or we are alive unto Christ. We're either dead in our transgressions and sin or alive in Christ. In other words, there's no such thing as being kind of born again. And so it's important to understand that there's only two spiritual states because if we accept the truth in God's word about eternity, we understand that there's only two places people will spend eternity. The first place is called heaven. This is a place where you will, be, you will be in the presence of God, where there's no anxiety, there's no depression. Yeah. It's full of joy and peace and happiness and fun, and you will have no disease. There's no sickness. I don't know if everybody's going to be six foot three, but I'm hoping for that. But <laughs> it's going to be, <laughs> I see that hand, it's going to be, it's going to be an incredible place. And, and then there's, there's the other place that I think a lot of the times we don't, talk about it enough in church, uh, especially because Jesus talked about hell way more than he talked about heaven. And this is a place where God, so you need to understand God doesn't send people to hell. Hell is a place where people go to pay the price for their own sin. And so um, this is a place where Jesus over and over and over again throughout the gospels describes as a place where there's weeping and there's gnashing of teeth. And when we When we accept that and we understand that, it gives us, write this down, an understanding of the importance of God's mission. And it's with tied to the understanding that eternity is forever and that we do not control the clock or how much time that we spend on earth. And that gives us an urgency to share what we have received. Okay, question, what have we received? Ephesians 2 goes on in verse 4. It says, But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ 
and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, watch this, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now this one is on the fridge right here. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith and not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Another translation would say that we're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there's the first 10 verses of Ephesians 2. And I love the stark contrast that we see here where there's really there's two situations happening and the first situation is pretty bleak if you ask me we we were dead in sin deserving of wrath but here's the second situation but God but God in his everlasting goodness and grace he poured out his grace onto us but God, but God forgave us, but God saved us, but God raised us up in Christ and put us in Christ in heavenly places, but God, I love that, and I want you to know that no matter what your situation is, no matter where you've been or what you've done, there's nothing too big that God can't forgive, that God can't save you, that God can't put your feet on a solid rock, amen, somebody, amen, and so, uh, here's the thing, and, and one thing that I love is uh, we see how the mission of God is both to you and through you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And, and so this is what the scripture says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we're seeing in scripture that this is the, the mission of God to us. We're in Christ. We're a new creation. That's good news. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So now it's going from to us to through us. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us, look at this, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God, look at the urgency. Look at the intensity of God in this scripture. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. For he, now it's going to, now it's, then that was through, now we're going back to two. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want you to see in this scripture, um, we are God's plan to reach the world. Like, like there's no plan B. We're it. <laughs> uh, we are God's plan, and, and God, the Bible says, has given to us, has committed to us, the ministry of reconciliation, that we are his ambassadors. And so as if he's making his plea through us. And so what, I mean, why does that matter? It, it matters because we need to understand that the mission of God will never be accomplished until we say yes to God and allow him to use us 
and, and work through us in ways that you might not expect, in ways that will take you out of your comfort zone. Uh, I just tell you, I've been out of my comfort zone for the last six years. Uh, I've, just li- I've made peace with it. I'm living outside of my comfort zone. Um, and, and, I mean, for me, <laughs> I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing today. Um, the thought of being a pastor 10 years ago was laughable. And uh, I had my own plans for what my life was going to look like. I had my own plans for how I had ordered the steps. Uh, and, uh, I, mean, I mean, to be preaching in front of people, this crazy for me because uh, I had a natural fear of public speaking. Um, so I, I was in college for two years at the University of Findlay, and uh, I had a public speaking class. And, um, oh God, and um, it, was, it was nearly impossible for me to get up in front of 14 kids for a two-minute presentation. And you know they're not paying attention anyways. Like, they, they, don't, they don't hear a word you say. And, uh, and for a two-minute presentation, I'm telling you, I lost a week's worth of sleep over, over this presentation. And, like, it's, it's the morning of class. I am in the bathroom in, in the hall uh, like in front of the toilet, like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, it's so stupid. You know what the, the presentation was on? It was about how to swing a base. It was a, it was an, it's so silly. It's literally about baseball and I couldn't even. And so here, but here's, here's what I want you to see. When you allow God to use you, and you submit yourself to the process of God and allow him to stretch you and you get out of your comfort zone and you just say yes to God, he will use you in ways that you can't even imagine. But it takes one thing. It's obedience. Obedience. And if there's one word in our culture today that people don't like is obedience. There's one word your kids don't like. But here's the thing. God requires obedience, but he will bless you every step that you take with him. Amen, somebody? And so write this down. If you're not being stretched, you're at risk of becoming stagnant. If you're not being stretched by God, you're at risk of becoming stagnant. And so uh, before I move on, I do do just really quick want to go back to... Uh, verse 21 of that 2 Corinthians 5 passage where the Bible says, and you guys can throw that slide back up there, uh, 2 Corinthians, where the Bible says that in Christ we become the righteousness of God. And so here's why that's important. When we get a hold of that, that in Christ we become the righteousness of God, our entire identity changes. And one of the reasons I believe that sometimes we have a hard time engaging with the mission of God is because we've bought into the lie that I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. I want to tell you, no, you're not. If you've put your faith in Christ, your identity is no longer sinner. Your identity is the righteousness of God in Christ. And here's why that's important. Because when you identify with your sin more than you do with the, with the imputated righteousness that God gave you, when you identify more with your sin and you're focused on that, you will always carry shame. 
And that shame will stop you from engaging in the mission of God. But when we, when we agree to view ourselves through the lens of what God says about us, there's incredible freedom in that. And your entire approach to God and to people will begin to completely change. But I want you to notice, it's nothing you did. It's nothing that you earned. It is because you are in Christ and Christ is in you. But the responsibility is on us to walk in that. Amen, somebody? And so you might still have sin in your life that you can overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are still going to have to, even when you shift your identity there, you're still going to have to renew your mind to God's word. You're still going to have to walk through that process of discipleship and submit yourself to God on a daily basis. But our approach changes, and it's a spot where we view ourselves through the lens of the Word of God. Okay, I have another question. Did you know that when God created you, He created you, He uniquely created you. The Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He created you with a unique purpose on your life, a tailor-fit purpose just for you. And when you walk in that purpose, it's the most fulfilling thing. But here's, here's the thing. It's going to take some time to discover what that purpose is. is. Like he's given you unique gifts and unique talents to use to serve God for a specific calling for your life. And that, uh, that plan is so much bigger and better than you could have ever imagined. But it's going to take a little bit of time to discover what that is. But while you're on the way to discovering what that unique calling, and by the way, time out real quick. You have a unique calling on your life, and so you need to stop comparing yourself to other people. And I see so many people uh, get their joy stolen by the enemy because they are looking side to side instead of just looking at where God has them. And so when you are looking and comparing yourself, and by the way, I told this to the teenagers at, at Student Culture, but it's on my heart. When you, if you compare yourself to people, what they post on Facebook and on Instagram, do y'all know that's not real life? Like you're comparing yourself to somebody else's highlight reel and, and it's not real. And, and when we just focus on where God has us and what he's doing, then we will be, be fulfilled. And so I don't know where I am anymore. Praise the Lord. Oh, okay. I caught it. Okay. Okay. We, we have a, a, as Christians, all of us in this room have a general purpose. All of us together have the same purpose. And so on your way to discovering that unique purpose, what we should do is take steps into this general purpose that every Christian, everybody who's following Jesus has on their life. It's called the Great Commission. And this is what it says in Matthew 28 in verse 18 and uh, 1920. And so it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always. Isn't that good news? God's with us to the very end 
of the age. And this great commission from the mouth of Jesus is not just for pastors and for missionaries. Uh, I always, when I got saved, I heard messages like this. I was like, that's their job. Like, that's why I threw a five in the offering plate when it went by, because that's their job. It's not. It's for all of us together. Jesus is commissioning his church. And if you're following Jesus, it's time to engage in the Great Commission. And so you may be thinking, Pastor Brian, I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin when it comes to sharing Jesus with people. Uh, I want to make it really, really easy uh, because, uh, write this down, to share Christ, show and tell. Show and tell. Y'all know what show and tell is? You've been in preschool or kindergarten, and, and you maybe brought in your favorite action figure or something you really wanted to share uh, with everybody else. And um, uh, I can show you that share and tell when you were a preschooler was actually training to share the gospel. And you might be thinking, oh, you're crazy, that's ridiculous, but just hang with me for a minute and I'll prove it to you. Uh, and, and just time out real quick. So I had show and tell when I was in elementary school, and I brought in a little baseball bat. And Mrs. Schneider, she, uh, she was a little nervous about that. And uh, most, yeah, most kids bring in other, anyways. Um, and so I was, uh, had this little baseball bat, and I was playing travel baseball at the time. And, uh, and I was showing everybody about this bat, and I was telling them how much it weighed. I, was, I showed them how to swing it, and Miss Schneider was about to puke. But, um, and, and I was just telling them about what, I, what was going on in my life and how I, was, I loved baseball and how it was, man, I love this bat, and I'm just sharing that with everybody. And sharing the gospel is very similar to like that. But most people, when they think about sharing Christ with people, it is very scary. And you may be thinking, what if I say or do the wrong thing? Like, what if we start praying and I, and I lead them in a prayer where they give their life to Jesus instead of Jesus? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, it can be scary. Or you might think, uh, or, you, or you might think, what if, um, what if I get to that moment and I have nothing to say and I, I don't know what to say? Or, or you might think, okay, um, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? Are they going to be offended? Are they going to reject me? Are they going to cut me out of their life altogether? Is sharing Jesus really worth all of that risk? John 4, Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman at the well. And I want to show you exactly why it's like show and tell from the scriptures. Um, there's the Samaritan woman. And so a little bit of context around this Bible passage um, the Samaritans and the Jews did not like each other. Um, there, there was ethnic uh, uh, yeah, tension. There was desecration of temples. There was all kinds of bad things that were going. And she's a woman, a single woman, who Jesus, as a Jewish rabbi, it was not acceptable for him to be talking with her in that context. And so Jesus is showing us he's breaking down racial boundaries. He's breaking down gender boundaries. He's, he's talking to somebody who really he shouldn't be talking to. And so there's this woman. She is broken. She's unfulfilled. And she is in need. 
She has had five husbands, and the woman that she's sleeping with then is not her husband either. And so Jesus encourages her, he ministers to her, and he leads her to a spot of faith. And so watch what she does after she experiences the love of God. John 4 and verse 28 says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way Toward him. Then, verse 39 many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So, when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, Watch this, I want you to sink into this. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. It's, it's show and tell. She experiences Jesus, the love of God, and she goes and tells everybody. And they believe because of her testimony. And you might be thinking, well, I don't really have much of a testimony. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. Now, your testimony may still be, all of our testimonies are still being written, right? But you have a story to share with people. And, and so you don't need to go into a conversation where you want to share the love of God with, with a 12-point with a checkbox and go in and, and make sure you hit all your point, points of orthodoxy. Go in and say, hey, man, this is who I was before Christ. And he changed me. And I experienced his love. And, and he gave me hope in a future. And he poured out his love on me. And he can do that for you too. And I actually... Just a couple of weeks ago, I was sharing Christ with somebody at, at the gym I work out at, and, and this guy, um, he, his name's Kyle, and, and this guy, he, um, he had been hurt really bad by church when he was a teenager, and like real church hurt, and, and I was just relating to him. Um, I, I told him about the church I gave my life to Christ in when I was 15, how, how that church split and how it affected me, and and I was just able to minister to him, and, and maybe, maybe you need to hear this too, because the church hurt is very real, and some people carry things that you need to forgive those people. I, I said to him, I said, that wasn't Jesus. I said, those people hurt you. That wasn't God. I said, I said they lied to you. That wasn't Jesus. Jesus will never lie to you. I said, that... Those people manipulated you. Jesus never did that. And I was able just to share some of my story with him and tell him how God changed my life. And let me tell you this. You don't need to argue with people. You don't need to prove anything to people. And you don't need to try to convert people to a religion. Let me tell you, Jesus doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship with you. And so you just open up your heart and share what God did in your life because people can argue about what about the dinosaurs, but they can't argue about what God did in your life. Amen, somebody? And so it's show and tell. And this Samaritan woman, she experiences the love of God and, and she goes to her town and begins to tell everybody about Jesus. But she didn't stop there. And maybe it's more like tell and show than show and tell. But she, it didn't just stop there. She tells them about Jesus. 
But then she takes them back and they go and experience Jesus for themselves so that they can experience just how truly incredible he is. And that is exactly why when we share uh, Christ, the love of God with people, that's incredible. I, I love that. But also bringing them into the house of God so they can experience God for themselves. Because I know one moment in the presence of God can change everything in somebody's life. Amen, somebody? And so that's why it's important to bring people into the house of God, to experience them for himself. Because we're called by God to engage in his mission. And let me tell you, when you tell somebody about Jesus and you bring them here and you peek during the altar call because we give you permission and they raise their hand and they gave their life to Christ, that'll be the best moment, the best feeling, the most fulfilling and rewarding thing you can have in your life. And it's because that is the purpose that God has given all of us to engage in his mission. And so uh, there's a guy in the church that, um, that I want to give a shout out to. He's, he's walking this thing out. And he had no idea. It's my friend Nate Golds. And uh, he's actually on his way to Florida. So this worked out kind of well. I, I didn't know that he was going to be in Florida. But uh, I, didn't, he didn't, I didn't tell him I was sharing him in my message because I didn't care. And so praise the Lord. And so, um, but Nate, he, uh, he's a diesel mechanic. And his workplace was having problems with their third shift crew. And um, they didn't really have a lot of leadership going on there. And so instead of joining in on the complaining, he, he saw the opportunity to make a difference. And he, which by the way, going to third shift is a sacrifice, especially when you got young kids. And so he felt like God was leading him to make a difference on the third shift. And as a skilled diesel mechanic, he, he began to train guys, lead them, solve the problems. But he also was viewing that through the lens of God has me here on mission. And he began to share Christ with some of these younger guys and pour into them. And he began to show, tell them and show them. And three of those guys are coming to church. And one of those guys is now serving God. Isn't that awesome? And so Nate was able to view that through the lens of God has me here on assignment because he both told them about God and brought them and showed, and they had experiences. One of these guys, um, I was talking with him. It was actually at our Super Bowl party. And um, I was talking with him, and he said he, he had been all over the country, and he landed in Grand Rapids, was very, he was, he didn't, he was like, why am I here? Um, just feeling restless and feeling like unsettled. And, and uh, Nate had shared Jesus with him, brought him to church. He committed his life to Christ, and he said, I know why I'm here. He said, I'm here because... I'm supposed to be planted in this church, and now he's serving God. And so Nate both allowed the mission to come to him and through him. And that is exactly what God has called us to. And I want to finish with this. Uh, this last Wednesday, uh, I, I preached at our, uh, our student night, 
uh, for student culture, our middle and high school ministry uh, of New Chapel. And uh, I've actually preached along these same themes because you're never too young to be an evangelist. Amen, somebody? And, um, and I preached, and we broke into smaller groups. We call them our huddle groups. And I was with the high school boys, which is always a treat. And so I was with the high school boys, and uh, I had a 14-year-old young man uh, say one of the most impactful uh, statements. Uh, this is what he said. He said, if we have this truth that we know will save people, why wouldn't we share Jesus with them? If we have this message, I mean, he was preaching, but it was good. It was good preaching. We know this message will save people. And the truth is, that is what God has asked of us. And, And we have some great opportunities coming up to engage in this message. Uh, this mission of God to say yes to God. And I'm not going to really uh, talk about this uh, too much today, but, but Easter services, we're having three services. Uh, 8, 9.30, you can throw that slide up there, guys. 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. We're making room for people to come in and experience the love of God. And so uh, each one can reach one kind of a thing. Don't come to Easter alone. There's people in your life who need to experience the power of God. And you get them here, they might, they, by the way, the studies say 82% of people, 8 out of 10 people, will say yes to a personal Easter invitation. And, and so when you bring them in the house, they might have their arms crossed the whole way, or they might come in. You don't know how they're coming in, but I'm telling you, one moment where God ministers love and healing and deliverance to their heart will change everything in their life. And so uh, there's Easter, there's Easter outreaches coming up. Small groups are doing outreaches, but also uh, we're having church, church-wide outreaches. Information and sign-ups for that are at guest services. And so I believe it's time for us to have the understanding of the importance of God's mission, to say yes to God and allow him to have the mission of God flow to us, and through us. Amen, somebody? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I love you, God. God, I pray that you'd be ministering to people's hearts next steps. God, that you'd be laying people's, uh, uh, maybe it's a neighbor to share the love of God with. Maybe it's a friend or a family member. Maybe it's to serve, to take that step and serve. God, I pray that you'd be speaking next steps to your kids all over the room today. God, I thank you that if there's people in this room who've not experienced your love, God, that you'd open their hearts right now in Jesus' name. Would y'all look at me for just a moment? If you're in this room and you've not put your faith in Christ, if you're hearing this message and, and you're encouraged because you hear about a God of love, but you've not trusted him with your eternity, if that's you in the room, I wanna encourage you and say that turning from our old way and following Jesus is the best decision you'll ever make. Okay, who is Jesus? Jesus is the perfect, sinless Son of God that God sent out of heaven as a missionary to earth to live a perfect, sinless life, to die on a cross with our name on it, in our place, so that we could be forgiven. He was buried and God raised him from the dead three days later to demonstrate that he's God and so we could have victory 
in Christ. And what happens when we hear this, the response is to turn. The Bible word is to repent. It, the Greek, it literally is just to turn. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to follow Jesus. To turn and to put our faith in Christ. And so if that's you in the room, go ahead and bow your heads again. One more time. If that's you in this room and you say, I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want a relationship with God through him. On the count of three, I'm not going to call you down to the front, but I want to know who I'm praying with. Would you, on the count of three, raise your hands in the air, step of boldness. One, two, three, go ahead. Thank you, I see you right there. God bless you, I see your hand, thank you. Anybody else? God bless you, you can put your hands down. We're going to say a prayer. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you say this prayer and you mean this prayer and it's from your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. Now, Christians in the room, I want everybody to say this prayer loud and proud as a declaration of your faith and in support of those people. Say this, Lord, I come before you today in search of a new way. You said in your word that if I would call Jesus Lord, that I'd be saved. Jesus, I call you Lord. I believe God raised you from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. I ask that you cleanse me. God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for putting your spirit in me. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said together, can we give God praise, church? And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.